When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. Uh, we are joined, as always, with our super producers, uh, Noel, uh, the Resurrectionist Brown, and Dylan, nicknamed TBA Fagan. You saying he's a resurrection man? Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's resurrectionist, but resurrection man is, is a great term. Well, yeah. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> hope that's not what he's doing. <laughs> After hours or whatever. But, uh, but where does he go? Where does he go? Yeah. Uh, let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever used a driving service like Lyft or Uber or something? Yeah, sure. Yeah. When, mm-hmm. when do you find, do you find yourself using them to like go to concerts or like venues or? Never locally. It's always when I'm traveling. Okay, so we're in a strange city. Yeah, it, or it replaces a rental car in some cases. Right, and it can be uh, much more affordable depending on the kind of rental car lifestyle you are accustomed yeah, to. Yeah, so you, you're a user of these services, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, because uh, it's it's easy for me to link up with a friend or if I, you know, parking, you know, downtown, parking is, is pretty challenging here, and I have a spot... You know, I've got all my strategies about where to put my car. I'm driving the Monte Carlo again for a little while, by the way. And if I am in in the home base area, I will park the car in a safe spot, which is kind of also hard to find in my part of town. And I'll walk a lot because it's exercise. But if I'm going somewhere where transportation is required and it's in town and there isn't decent parking, by which I also mean affordable, mm-hmm. Then yeah, man, four bucks for an Uber ride is going to be way cheaper than fifteen bucks to park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or even even valet service or something where you know you get a tip at the end or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. not only that, I get a lot of anxiety about parking downtown. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about it before I leave my house up in the suburbs. Like uh-huh. if I'm headed down here for an event or to a restaurant or whatever it would be. Um, I, I'm honestly like I'm just going through my head, like what what's in the area? How tight is that parking structure going to be? Yeah. Um, if it is a valet only thing, you know, is there a self parking option available? And if so, how tight is that going to be? Where are my it, two to five bucks? It's crowded. Cash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah, yeah. So I know that you're a, uh, a a much more frequent user of that type of thing than I am. I uh, I do find myself in situations where it just financially is a better choice. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, like any other ride service, the people who drive are typically pretty interesting, too. So it's it's entertaining to hear their stories. You know, to always hear, like, what what's the craziest fare you ever had? What's the... What's the weirdest thing you said? Stuff like that. Oh, people sure. are pretty forthcoming. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, that's, it's always interesting to talk to, in the past, taxi drivers. But now mm-hmm. it's the Uber drivers, the Lyft drivers, because mm-hmm. they're the ones that come in contact with everybody. And I bet you, ladies and gentlemen, some of you out in the audience have uh, driven taxi cabs in the past or present. And many may be driving Uber or Lyft or some other equivalent service now. Yeah, might be listening to this podcast while they're driving for that service. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. Uh, if you are, I want to go ahead and preemptively ask you to send us an email with your stories because we are all ears, or in this case, eyes. But you get the gist. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. I, mean, I bet we can get some unusual stuff and then probably some more... I, for the most part, I bet it's kind of a uh, a vanilla job, you know, like for the most part. Yeah. You know, like 99% of the fares are the normal, I need to get across town type thing. But then there's that one time, you know, one out of 100, mm-hmm. where it's really something unusual, something strange happens on the way, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, someone hops in and they're uh, they're dressed as if they're like, uh, <clears throat> they're they're dressed in like a three-piece conservative suit. And then partway through the ride, they ask if... Uh, you would like to see their jar of teeth. You know? Oh, man. Oh. oh, man. Yeah, like, did you know that I'm the tooth fairy? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, wow. So they say it in a reasonable voice. That's yeah. the scariest. <laughs> um, all right. So the thing is that a lot of these rideshare services seem set to continue. They're growing. You know, and people have their favorites and people have their problems with certain ones. But they're not only growing – they're evolving in the service they deliver, and something that we've been hearing a lot about is the rise of autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. in the, like self-driving vehicles in this kind of field. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So autonomy, and we're seeing just the very hints of this, the very beginnings of this of this whole thing. It's going to come through in waves. We're, yeah. we're not anywhere close to fully autonomous vehicles for yeah. everyday use for everybody at, at this point. We're still, I mean, they love to say a decade out, but it's probably... A little bit longer than that. Um, Maybe a decade in some European countries. Maybe. But the U.S. is huge. And we're talking like full-on autonomous vehicles. I mean, no driver input at all, really, other than here's where I need to go. Mm -hmm. Um, We have what right now, right now what we have is kind of like the in-between. It's like the the early baby steps version of, of... uh, the whole thing. So we've we've covered so many of these advancements along the way, and sure. uh, you know, I I, st- I like every time we talk about this. I like to say that. You remember how when we started this podcast, it was back in what 2008, I think it was. Oh man! And we were convinced that there's just no way that you know self-driving cars would be around, and then the whole world changed. Really, I mean, that fast. Yeah. We've only been doing that. We've been doing this for nine years. I say only. That's a long time, but um, it's changed so much that of course, I mean, you can't say that you're. A believer. I mean, it's happening right now. It, it's really happening. And this is the subject of our episode. Uh, it's pretty tough to predict the future, no matter how easy your local uh, Madame Bell or whatever makes it sound. Uh, the The issue here is that with such a profound change or potential for change, uh, there also come many we don't have to call them consequences, but let's call them results or ripples. Uh, these things are part and parcel of such a big change. And a lot of people 
have not considered fully a lot of things. Today, our podcast is about something that you came to me with that I had never thought of. I had neither until I read this article, and it was something that I thought was interesting enough to bring to this audience because uh, it'll make you think. I mean, this this brings up uh, you know a moral and ethical dilemma as well. You know, we'll talk about this as we as we go through, and I, I really just I, I want to kind of put it out there, let people kind of digest it, and have more time to think about it than we have probably, <laughs> and uh, and and piece this together in your head, and and then get back to us with your comments and. and and, and tell us what you think about what we're going to discuss today, because we're not going to say, you know, which way we're really for here at this point, I don't think. Um, again, there's some moral and ethical stuff that will come up <laughs> as the, the topic comes around. But this is the strangest thing, but no one has really thought about this, or somebody has. Um, this comes from an article in Slate, in Slate.com, and the headline is a grabber. It says, self-driving cars will make organ shortages even worse. And I hadn't thought about this, but they're talking about organ donors from automobile accidents. Yeah. And there's already a shortage of, of organs for people on waiting lists, and we'll talk about numbers mm-hmm. in a moment here. Yeah. But um, the idea is, and this is not giving anything away, but the idea is that self-driving cars are safer cars, generally. Right. Less driver error or no driver error, and that means less fatalities, and that means less organs available for those people on the list. Because a lot of times uh, the circumstances of a fatal accident in in an automobile will lend themselves very well to the requirements needed uh the requirements rather that an organ has to meet mm-hmm. to be transplantable yeah if transplantable is a word and if i didn't just churchify that <laughs> no i think that's a good word i think it's a good word but there are already i mean we're already at the point where we have shortages of organs mm-hmm. and people are kicked off the list and people are denied organs for you know various reasons but one of them is that there's no organs available so you know this this will complicate matters and it's just an angle that i hadn't really thought about and we're going to walk through this uh, this article a bit and i'm going to read i'm going to read a little bit from here but mm-hmm. also we're going to discuss a little bit and then again i really just want the audience to think about this cuz it's it's so intriguing to me this this, this thought so Tune in, ladies and gentlemen, because we we have statistics, we have some anecdotes, we have some whatifery on the way, and we'll dive right into it after a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. 
In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, and Ben, uh, I think we should just jump right into this article because it's it's got some intriguing ideas and some, I I mean, I'll tell you right now, I don't agree with some of the stuff that's in this article, the way it's it's stated, maybe. This is a controversial issue. It really is, and and again, just, again, think about this on on your own time and then then get back to us. We'd love it. Um, So here's here's where it starts. It it starts about talking, uh, it starts out talking about the very first, Organ transplant, mm-hmm. the first successful one. The first successful recorded kidney transplant was back in 1954. But ever since that point, we've had shortages because people want these organs. People need these or- organs, mm-hmm. really. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. And, of course, there's a limited number of donors available. And, and for many reasons, people, again, get deemed not ill enough to make the list or get kicked off the list because they become too ill and can't receive the organ. It won't mm-hmm. do any good at that point. Um, There's just a lot of reasons you might be kicked off of the list, but that list is growing. Right. Currently, around 6,500 U.S. residents die waiting on an organ transplant each year, and that's not counting the other 4,000 that are removed from the waiting list because they are deemed not even for moral or ethical reasons just because... They are ill. They are the their hardware. The other hardware, if you want to look at it like a vehicle, the other hardware is to physiologically damage for it to be worth the time. By way of comparison, this would be an equivalent death toll to twenty two jumbo jets crashing every year. Holy cow! Just to put it in perspective. Wow. Now I've got a little bit more information about the about the list itself. Yeah. Now since 1999, this is so going back 18 years from from right now, the waiting list has doubled in size. So it was in 1999 about 65,313 people looking for an organ of some sort, and it is now the current waiting list is 123,000. Now, most of that is liver and kidney uh, donations because liver and kidney disease kills more people than breast cancer or prostate cancer. And the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, um, says that you know the incidence of these chronic diseases will, is going to rise and the need for more organs is going to continue to trend upwards. So we're going to continue to need more and more livers and kidneys for people. Uh, you know, I know there's other organs that are transplanted too, you know, sure. heart, lungs, Hearts, things like that. Eyes, but, but cor- liver, cornea. Well, exactly, but liver and kidneys are mm-hmm. the number one thing. 
And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about those ones specific in just a, in just a moment here. But sure. Um, but how how do you uh, how how do how do car how do the self driving cars factor into this? Now we already kind of hinted at uh, at this whole thing, and maybe not the self driving yet. Let's just talk about how cars factor into this whole thing because okay. it's not something that I had really put together, and I don't know why I hadn't. Because you know when you go to the DMV or you know whatever your driver service place is, they always ask you if you want to be an organ donor every time. And sometimes they give you they'll kick a little off the uh, the price of your processing right? fee. Well, they will. They used to oh, in some I, places. I don't know if that's still possible or still true or not. That's interesting, huh? Well, you know, I'm thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, right? With an emphasis <laughs> on the first. So, uh, so the idea to me of I remember being a young driver and seeing. I, I can't remember if in my state it was something where you got a discount or if it was just vote your conscience. Because mm-hmm. I remember one time there was a reduced fee and then another time there was not. And when there was not a reduced fee, I was instantly, I said, you know what? I'm going to be a safer driver. I'm going to keep all these bits of me together in this one Ben Bolin thing. <laughs> I don't need to be part of someone else's life just yet. In the one Ben Bolin bowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. We'll keep it. <laughs> we'll keep it with the original packaging. <laughs> well, the, the the truth about this whole thing mm. is that that automobiles and uh, people that die in automobile wrecks are one of the the uh, uh, the most reliable sources for healthy organs. They count on organs and tissues coming from drivers that are killed in these in these accidents, and that's that's horrific to think about. But yeah. each year, every single year in the United States, thirty five thousand people are killed in automobile accidents. Yes, and one in five organ donations comes from the victim of an accident, yeah, the car so, accident. So one in five, so we're counting, uh, it was 20%. That's a pretty big percentage, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you consider all the other ways that you can you can expire, um, that's, a, that's a huge group of donors that, you know, is a, well, potential donors, I should say. They're, they're always potential donors until the event actually happens, right? So they're, they're under, with the understanding that 20% come from, this source, which mm-hmm. is which is drivers, and drivers are well. I guess maybe in fatalities. I got a number here that I'm looking for right now as we're talking, but I think it's something like um, oh, and I found it, Ben. It's it's 94 percent. So an estimated 94 percent of of motor vehicle accidents in, involve some kind of driver error. Now, before we continue, I don't want to get too far away from this. Let's just spell out the reason the somewhat morbid and gory reason that accident victims are so valuable for organ donation. Okay. Here, here's the reasoning. So roads are actively monitored by emergency services, mm-hmm. by law enforcement, firefighters, EMTs, and so on. And this means that if a fatality occurs... There are going to be people, professionals on the scene who can tra- who can transport someone or in some cases even keep them alive uh, long enough, doing their best, of course, not organ harvesting, doing their sure. best to save the person. Um, and that just that presence severely reduces the amount of time needed to mm-hmm. move this out. So it's all ultimately a question of time of death. So you, you, uh, typically someone will roll up on a scene within minutes 
of the accident happening, mm-hmm. and uh, and that means that the organs are still viable for transplantation, right? That means that they're able to uh, safely do that. It's kind of there's there's an expiration point where right. uh, you know the blood flow hasn't been to this organ for for X number of minutes, and it's no longer safe to use and or for use in somebody else. But um, yeah, that's a good point that you know it, it's so quick that uh, that somebody is on top of that scene. So what we're talking about though is we're talking about preventable fatality. So these are yeah. these are the ones that, you know, 94% involve driver error. That means that the problem is with, you know, you and I yeah. behind the wheel. Didn't look left, didn't look right, yeah. didn't check the light. And theoretically, you know, theoretically, I always have to say theoretically with these, but theoretically, autonomous vehicles won't do that. Now, I know we've heard of instances where that does happen, but consider that, you know, weigh that against the number of, uh, of driver mistakes that you see on the road just on the way home tonight from work or from school or wherever you're going uh, to and from. Uh, you're going to see a lot of accidents that are, of course, you know, human-caused error. You know, there, there's a mistake that was made by the driver. Uh, so they're saying if you remove that part, that element of this, that that uh, that factor, then it's going to greatly reduce the number of fatalities on the road, and it's also going to reduce the number of available organs. So right away, I mean, we're almost cutting nearly, it's nearly 20% of the, of the um, the pool, I guess, of, of organs that are available or thought to be available each year, right. you know, based on the stats that we already know. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's just an oversimplification of it. You know, maybe there will be more accidents because you know everybody's going to have an autonomous car, and we we only know what uh, these kind of <laughs> can you call them rogue uh, uh, autonomous vehicles? I don't think you can because they're so. Uh, moder- so they're so guided, they're so um, precise. Even now, um, somebody's there with them. They're they're yeah. uh, they're inside the vehicle at all time. I know that doesn't stop all the wrecks, but you, um, what my point is that there's really only a few truly autonomous vehicles on the road right now, and those are the ones that are licensed to be there specifically for testing. Yeah, it's what's all R and D. What's it really going to be like when there's you know, uh, you know, again, seventy, eighty percent uh, of the vehicles on the road are, are autonomous, or one hundred percent of the ve- uh, the road. Ooh, that's tough to, I mean, that's so far out though. I would say the problems begin, let's keep 20% a good number. I would say that issues arise as soon as it hits even 20 or 15% because the way that, we've talked about this in the past, the way that we have predicted or speculated that autonomous vehicles would roll out would be in first city net neighborhood, then city networks, mm-hmm. and then maybe in some cases expanding uh, regionally. So small releases. Small releases, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, small releases. And the problem with that is it creates a boundary and a border. There's no way for every vehicle to automatically turn autonomous. So I see a lot of, I still see a lot of accidents occurring, you know, at the border, let's say, um, Austin, Texas was uh, somehow passed a thing where everybody has to drive an, an autonomous car, right? Okay. Uh, I imagine most of the people in Austin, Texas would be livid because that's a lot of overreach, right? Sure, yeah. But let's just say it happens anyway. They caught everybody on a good day. And uh, now they all have these autonomous vehicles. But You had to pick Texas. But what about the – maybe not the – but I picked Austin, so it balances out. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. But maybe they um, – or it doesn't matter. Any town. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Indianapolis. I'm just, I'm just ribbing you, okay? All right. Okay. We're still cool? We're we're okay. We're all right. No, we're cool. We're, we're work right. friends. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so the point being that 
Uh, Scotty and I are actually friends. But the point being that the um, the accents will occur in that gray area where where like most like with most cities, uh, a lot of people work in Austin or Indianapolis and live outside of it where they wouldn't have to have an autonomous vehicle. So you see the problem as being when a, a, uh, a driver interacts with an, an autonomous vehicle. Yeah. That's the that's the uh, that's the problem zone there. It's the it's again going back to the human causing the air. It's probably, got right? it's got potential. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it does. We've seen that too. I mean, when mm-hmm. uh, you know the autonomous vehicle counts on the human driver allowing them into that spot, but they don't because you know people are jerks. That happens. Hey, you know, screw you, yeah. robot buddy. <laughs> well, that happens. Yeah. You know. So okay, but but I guess it, getting back to the the stats and the and the, and the figures. Yeah. I mean, the NTSB has has chimed in on this. The, now the guy's name is Christopher Hart, and he's the chairman of the NTSB, the, the National Transportation Safety Board. And his quote in this article says, "Driverless cars could save many, if not most, of the thirty. He says thirty-two thousand, but I saw a thirty-five thousand number earlier. Um, could save most." Uh, of the 30, 32,000 that are lost every year on our streets and highways, even if self-driving cars can only realize a fraction of their projected safety benefits, a decline in the number of available organs could begin as soon as the first wave of autonomous uh, and semi-autonomous vehicles hit the road, threatening to compound our nation's already serious shortages. So, um, I mean, it's it's something that they're thinking about at the, the top levels here. You know, it's something that uh, the NTSB is already, you know, kind of, well, they've got their their people working on it. You know, what's what's what are we going right. to do here? What are we going to do about this? And I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it or not because it's not really them that has to work on it. It's it's, it's what are we going to do once this happens? Like that's this is where the ethical and moral stuff starts to come in because, as you may have already kind of gleaned from this discussion, mm-hmm. is that this might open the door for some black market trade of organs or markets for organs. Right. So here's the here, here's the engineering problem. Let's look at it from an engineering perspective. Everybody needs a, a complement of specific organs, right? And the yeah. body has some built-in redundancy. You can get around with yeah. just one eye or a, one kidney. There's a few you can just tear out and not even need them. Yeah, but you will degrade your quality of life. Vestigial organs. Those are the ones uh, I'm talking yeah, about. The yeah, ones yeah. that uh, you don't really need. Like a gallbladder? Yeah, gallbladder's one. What's the other one? Everybody has appendix. appendix. Appendix is another one. It yeah. seems like there's more than that. Well, uh, let's see. Just kind of leftovers from, you know, things that we don't need anymore. I think right. the, like, wasn't the appendix something that was supposed to aid in digestion of like, you know, bark or yeah, something like yeah, that? Yeah. We don't tend to eat bark a whole lot anymore, so I don't think that's necessary. That's true. I, I think that's the case. I read something about that a long time I ago. I think it was definitely for an herbivorous um, plant-based yeah, and, diet. And, and you can get by on one lung. It's not, you know, it's not recommended. And you can get right. by on one kidney. And some people donate one good kidney and, sure. and leave themselves with one in order to save the life of another. And that happens a lot. But you only get one of certain other organs. Yeah, like a liver. A uh, heart, yeah, heart's a good one. I mean, uh, a brain. Yeah. Not everybody gets one, apparently, yeah, but talk, most we, people do. We talked a little bit about uh, this morning. We were having a meeting here at the office, and we were talking a little bit about eye transplants. And I had thought that all along, I thought that eye transplants were happening all the time, but it turns out it's just pieces of the eye, um, corneas, or something like right. that. You know, they, they often go to a, do, uh, a recipient, mm-hmm. um, but not a full eye transplant. But they're working on it. And the problem with all that is that. We, the human species, have yet to build 
a technology that will like we we have yet to effectively figure out a better large scale method of organ transplant other than taking them from the dead. Yeah, so the idea would be that we need to come up with something right away, pretty soon. Right. A way of replicating organs. A way of growing organs if you want to. Maybe so that uh you know, there is no shortage. There is no um uh there's no deficit between the number of, you know, people donating and the people needing these organs. Uh, you can grow whatever you're short, you know, for this year, this month, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, and and everybody then on the list is satisfied, or at least uh, the number of people that we have now. We're not losing ground in that way. So, in some related how stuff works shows, uh, we and some of our colleagues have explored the organ trade, which may strike a lot of people as strange to think of that. It's such a such a lurid almost too weird to be true thing but organ harvesting does still occur and it's not you know i assume a lot of us have seen the movies where some regular everyday guy gets a little wild partying with an interesting stranger and then wakes up with staples on one side of his uh rib cage and then he's in a bathtub of ice oh yeah that might happen, sure, but what what's far more likely to happen, we found, is that people in developing countries or impoverished people will sell uh, an organ, like a kidney, mm-hmm. right, for a, a bargain basement price to an illegal broker who will spike the price and then sell it to a wealthy person who, for one reason or another, is not on the list. Yeah. So when you hear the term organ harvesting, that's what we're we're talking about, illegal uh, removal of organs from somebody and passing them on to somebody else. And it's not just, you know, these one-off cases, you know, where somebody wakes up in a bathtub of ice. No. This is also happening sometimes. This is real, this is, uh, you know, the, uh, the down and dirty stuff here. Uh, if you pass away in a hospital, there's a chance that uh, your loved one's organs could be removed from them without you really knowing that. Right. It happens, and it's it's rare. Yeah. It's rare. I want to point that out. It doesn't happen often, and when it does, I mean, they get caught eventually. They really they do get uh, nailed on this. And then the yep. so it ends up being you know a bad news story. You know, it's bad press for the the uh, not only the surgeon that performed the illegal surgery, but also for the hospital and for the insurers and all that. So, um, you know, this is this always makes news whenever you find out that something like this is happening. Um, and, and for good reason, uh, but I, the number is just astounding. There, it's thought that worldwide, there's nearly ten thousand. Actually, there are ten thousand black market medical operations that are performed every single year with these illegally uh, illegally purchased organs. Scott, ten thousand. Scott, I'm gonna uh, throw you for a loop here a little bit. Okay. There's a book. I know you're a big true crime fan. Um, there's a book I have found in my research when we did organ. The organ trade on another show and no ladies and gentlemen i'm sorry i tried my best but i wasn't able to avoid a pun about the organ trail <laughs> nice tracking these people down <laughs> they call it the red market you know there's like a black market for yeah. auto chop shops or something they, yeah. they call this like the red market for the organ trade really and there's a book that i would like to um, recommend to you and to anyone interested in this it's called the Red Market, and it's by an author named Scott Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. Okay. Just okay. wrote that down. All right. 
the red market. Interesting. I had no idea that there was another term for it because you always heard it uh, hear it described as black market because it's a black market sale of something illegal. You know, something right. that's, uh, that they're not supposed to have, uh, but they do. And the thing you're right about it exploiting poverty in some situations mm-hmm. because people i mean you offer somebody who's really really down on their luck or has just has nothing and they've never had anything yeah. but they've got two working kidneys that you know somebody who's very wealthy would love to have you know just uh, just two towns over uh and somebody kind of you know is the uh, the go between i guess the uh what would you call that the liaison between them um and says you know what i'll give you $5000 for that kidney and that looks like a pile of money to somebody, but it, it oftentimes is far, far less than that, oh, that we're yeah. talking about. Five thousand might be the price that they charge the wealthy individual to put it in, uh, but the the one that is it's being removed from that's more money than they have ever seen sometimes, or or will ever see. Um, so it, it's, but but what do you do? And that's the again, this is the the moral and ethical thing because now they're left with one kidney. What happens later in life if that? That kidney that they're left with begins to fail. Then they're, you know, then that was a, an extremely poor decision that was made early on, right? For a very, a relatively small amount of money, and, and that happens all the time. It happens way more than you think. There's an HBO documentary about Ooh. this, about um, the, the organ transplant uh, tr- trade. Um, you know, it's, it's. I don't even know if you can call it that. Really, it's, there's, there's. I guess it's more like the red market stuff that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so you're you're absolutely right. People can game these waiting lists if they're wealthier. You can travel to countries with uh, lower restriction, less rule of law. You can also just go to different centers, perhaps, and get on multiple lists. Now, here's the thing, Ben. This this article, remember I said I don't agree with everything that's in this article? Yeah. I, I want to talk about something that this article brings up. There's a few things here, but uh, but let's do it after a quick word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good call, Scott. Good save on the sponsor break because I was I was getting into it. You know, you could... <laughs> You yeah, can, can tell because I start just gesticulating and gesturing about stuff, <laughs> even though no no one can see it. Yeah, you're except jacked for us. about this topic. You're jacked. I'm yeah yeah man. I'm, if you I'm can say that about gas. if you can say that about organ transplant or, or thievery, well, I guess. well, it's fascinating. It's a hidden thing, but also it's incredibly controversial, problematic. And you mentioned before the break that you have some disagreements. I I do because this article there are paragraphs that start out with stuff like this, and I I just can't get my head around this maybe that's the problem maybe i just need to think about this more but like this this article or this uh, this paragraph here starts out with the most straightforward fix would be to amend the federal law uh that prohibits the sale of most organs which would allow for a development of a uh, limited organ market now you're talking about amending the constitution the, the federal law that prohibits the sale of organs now this is something that we've had in the united states since about 1984, there was a yeah. um, there was a law that was passed that bans uh, the sale of organs in 1984. I mean, we're talking about again um, the sale of organs for for profit. I mean, you can't uh, you can't harvest the organs from somebody, sell them off to a, a medical school or you know whoever is doing uh, these illegal surgeries. Uh, that means that you know if you're caught in the, in the process of either selling or buying these right. organs, you're in big trouble. I mean, it's it's a it's a U.S. law. That's something that's been on the books since 1984. They're saying, hey, we're, we're, we're in 2017 now, and these self-driving cars are going to greatly reduce the number of, uh, of our pool of donors. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should consider amending that so that, yeah, you can sell organs again in the United States. I just don't. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I don't know. I'm torn, man, because half of – well, where are you – before I interrupt, where are you coming from? Well, I mean, again, I, I think that – well – Again, going back to the books that I read, and, and yeah. this is probably where I'm getting a lot of this. So uh-huh. you have to, you know, weigh that into this decision. But um, I see this as you know turning, turning into people again starting to illegally harvest their organs from people that don't necessarily want them harvested. I mean, the same thing happened when you could sell skeletons to medical schools for, um, for you know, learning purposes, mm-hmm. an articulated skeleton that you could put together and sell for a huge profit. That led to a lot of people offing other people to get their skeleton, I or or, see or that. digging up great, you know, re- like new graves, so that they could then articulate that skeleton and sell it to a, a medical school. Um, it's just some horrific things can happen. It's not saying that it will, but mm-hmm. I'm saying some things like that can happen. That's a that's a um, it's a consequence of of amending something like this and saying it's it's once again it's something that we we're not going to frown upon quite as much. Yeah, one of the concerns was that people's organs might be treated like, quote, 
fenders in an auto junkyard. Mm. Okay, I see a couple of different angles to this. One, my cursory instinct in a world where everyone is treated fairly is, my cursory instinct is, uh, hell, man, it belongs to you. Do what you want with it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be like someone who tells somebody not to sell their car radio, but this in this case, the thing is a little more complicated because no matter how much liberty we want to give people or ownership over their own bodies, what we run into is the fact that the same people who are gaming the system as it exists today are more than capable of gaming the people who would consider selling their organs. Yeah, and I'm, I, I want to get this out there. I'm not, I'm not against somebody who's willing to, to give up a kidney or willing to give up whatever sure. organ that they can to, to help somebody right. else out. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that somebody could take that from you. Somebody could then see that as a uh, potential profit for them. Right now, in the United States at least, it's it's impossible to – well, <laughs> I shouldn't say impossible. Mm-hmm. It can be done, but it's a lot harder to uh, to sell an illegally uh, begotten kidney or liver or lungs or whatever. I mean, the right. questions will be asked most places. <laughs> if you show up at the door and you've got you know the, the big cooler yeah. in your hand – uh, you know what the big red or the uh, the big yeah the big red cross on it. Uh-huh. Um, you know you might want to find out where you got that human heart. That's true. But, but in, in a situation like this, like they may say, like, well, you know, someone gave it. Someone someone decided that uh, you know it's worth twenty five hundred dollars to me or to them rather, and that's how I got this kidney. We did the deal right outside. Yeah, and that happens. I mean, I, it happens right now in other nations. I just don't sure. know. I mean. You can find we, entire villages. We haven't seen it here in a long time. We haven't seen it here in a long time. The we we hope that we're being pretty pretty clear about what those what those concerns would be. Gaming a gaming a system to take advantage of people at a massive profit margin. That's the other thing. At least now in the illegal market, the profits are massive. But uh, of course, again. This this is not the majority of all these operations, right? Mm-hmm. And there are, to Scott's point, there are wonderful people around the world who are donating to save a sibling, right? Yeah. Or uh, a spouse, a relative, a loved one. They're doing it of their own free will, not because they are being um, – Threatened with being crippled financially, and in a safe, responsible way, and in a um, in a very, um, I guess, monitored and uh, um, clean, you know, uh, facility. Typically, I mean, you're going to find yeah. that you know it's done in the, the appropriate way. And and think about this. I mean, people they don't only give up like kidneys and you know whatever else they can you know give up mm-hmm. from their body that would help somebody else. You know, sure. whether it's blood plasma, could uh, be bone marrow. Yeah, it could be a sperm donation. Could mm-hmm. be an egg donation. Sure, uh, people have been doing this for long, and I have no problem at all with any of that. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, what I have the problem with is when you then become like a target for somebody right. that uh, that they can then you know profit from that. Um, so it's not so much. Again, we're still like we're still talking about. I guess the red market trade. It's still not because uh, if it's regulated, if it's something that people are willing to do, again, fine. That's fine. But that's that's the other thing, man. A lot of times people hate regulation. So someone will be okay. Here's my concern. Here's my like bottom line concern, ladies and gentlemen. I think many of you can agree with me. The we buy gold industry 
has exploited a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's not illegal, right? Yeah. They are they're doing exactly what it says on the tin, at least here in the U.S. Sure. Um, for people outside of the U.S., what we're talking about, you may have this kind of thing in your neck of the global woods, but we have a thing here in the states where people will offer to buy um, old jewelry or you know rings coins, things like that, anything made of gold, and they'll buy it for a relatively low price, usually a really low price. Sure, pennies on the dollar. Yeah, and then they will melt it down or sell it by weight for what it's actually worth, plus a profit. But you go into that knowing that you're not going to get the best deal, really. Right. You're willing to, you're willing to, for that trade-off, because you just want rid of the item and you want a few dollars in return. Right, and it's legal, so you're sacrificing profit for convenience yeah but i mean you're doing that for an organ what if there is a we buy kidneys we buy livers well you know it may happen come on down to crazy dr mike's (laughs) right away i don't like it just based on the name of the place (laughs) crazy dr mike all right right, so ben i got i got a couple more scenarios that i want to lay out here and and i think i can go through these kind of quickly but but there's three more points here that um again varying degrees of do i agree with this or not And, and first one no, uh, <laughs> just to tell you where I stand on this one. But uh, they're, they're asking, um, you know, what would an, what would an ethical fix to an organ transplant shortage look like? So oh, okay. the idea here is that <laughs> this is kind of crazy. This you may have mixed feelings about this too. So you know when you go into the DMV, as we talked about earlier right. in this episode, and and you have to check the box to say that you want to be an organ donor. Well, what if um, instead of that there was a presumed consent rule? That you had to opt out instead of opt in? Exactly right, yeah. So, you know, when you check the box, that's saying, no, I don't want to be. But if you don't bother to check the box, then you're automatically in. And that would lead to a huge increase in in, in the number of people that become donors because right away, a lot of you know, a lot of people just don't simply want to do it or they right. don't take the time to read through the paperwork and, and fill it out. They right. would, but they they don't. They're just flipping through. Where do I sign? Yeah, and so right now we have an opt-in system, but this could become an opt-out system, which would then open up a, uh, a larger pool of potential donors. Completely disagree. Yeah. And here's why. Because somebody – okay, you should always read what you sign yeah. in full. Well, just to, hang on for yeah. a second. You're, you're saying you disagree with me or you disagree with the article? I disagree with the article. Okay, same here. You and I are on the yes. same page. Here's the problem. Uh, a lot of people – I'm not saying the majority of the world or anything, but a lot of people, due to their spiritual beliefs, they can't have their corpse violated and it's seen as a violation. So maybe it's saving someone, but it's saving someone in a way that fundamentally betrays what the unknowing donor believes. So they need to enter the afterlife whole or complete. Right. Not missing anything. Like they can't be embalmed or they can't have, you know, stuff... Going back, out. Well, going back to the Egyptians, they would they would remove all their organs, but they right. would keep them with them in the tomb. So it was like they were they were there, but separate. Yeah, well, that's, just, that's just kind of a strange thing too. So, um, but here's one thing we're we're neglecting in this argument, and this is this this comes down to like the uh, the final point here, I guess, yeah. is that if we're talking about autonomous vehicles, anyways, driving is going to be safer. So those people that never opted out or in rather. Um, it won't really matter because what we're talking about is autonomous vehicles saving lives. So 
this is maybe not the place to go. According to this article, this is maybe not the, the way to do it because it won't really open up anything brand new. It'll be increasingly irrelevant. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, as autonomous vehicles come online. That's right. the thing. So it kind of uh, discounts that whole argument Ooh. anyways at a certain point. Uh, the next thing would be that there is a um, – oh, this is interesting – Benefits packages for people that do donate organs. So, you know, what, uh, there's some examples or an example of this. In 2008, Israel instituted a benefit package for living donors uh, that included full wage reimbursement for 40 days and up to five years of paid expenses for a variety of services, including health and life insurance. So it's like a um, a health policy that you get for five years. Plus, you get time off your job. You know, whatever you do with benefits. You know, with pay. 40 days, but, uh, you know, you're, again, you're being incentivized, I guess, in order to, uh, to, to, you know, give this organ. It's not just a, a kind gesture, you know, something that in the past, you know, normally people would just say, well, you know, my cousin needs a kid, a kidney. Of course I'm going to give him one of my, my, uh, sure. my, my working kidneys. Otherwise that person's going to die and I can live with one, you know, um, hopefully someone will, you know, help me out if that ever gets in, you know, into that situation later in life if you've only got one left, but, um, the idea to um, amend, you know, the, these these organ transplant laws, I guess, is is an interesting idea that you know you do incentivize it in some way and offer up packages like this. So, what do you think about that one? I I don't know, man. Okay, it's so a long pause there, Ben. Yeah, because I, I don't want to be I don't want to be hypocritical here. the The idea of allowing. Um, a family member to transplant, I think that's, of course, that's great, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but the idea of... Well, I, I'm going to interrupt for one second. Mm. Family members received priority for these organs when they were donated. So you could say that you wanted to also give it to a cousin or nephew or whoever it is. Yeah. They would get the priority, they would get the organ, but you would still get this benefit package. Okay. I While I completely agree with the with the ability of the donor to donate to specify mm-hmm. the recipient uh the the issue that i see here is again people seeing it as a way to kind of go on the dole you know yeah, yeah. i like i i don't know without in and this we're talking about we're literally talking about a foreign country Things work very differently there. They have a much smaller population, right? Sure. And I don't know their wealth distribution or their their demographic statistics very well. So I don't know if we can compare that to the U.S. Is it is it a good move on their state's part? Um, it is, I think, important to take care of people after they have what surely must be a traumatic operation. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the what the value is of of the health and life insurance and the uh, you know um, other services that they offer, whatever that may be, medical services, of course. Right? Do they already have um, some kind of uh, health care system for mm-hmm. everyone? Yeah. Or is it a situation where people who did not otherwise have affordable access to a doctor, would just have to sell their kidney and then get free doctors for life? Well, it says paid expenses. I mean, so, I mean, I guess they're, they're covering the charge, uh, the cost of that. And, and you know, using Israel as, the, as our example, if you want to look at what happened there, now we said that in 2008 yeah. that's when that happened, uh, when they amended that law. 
And the number, this is going forward a couple of years, so they had the program in place for a while, but between 2011 and 2013, compared with the same, you know, the, the previous three-year period before that, from 08 to 11, the number of organ donors increased by 67%. 67%, well, that's huge. of course it did. I mean, look at all the stuff you're getting yeah. if you donate an organ. Well, I understand, but I mean, it's, it, it has proven results, you know, that it, that it does increase the the frequency I guess with which people would say yeah I, I mean I, of course I'll do that for my either my relative or a stranger it does my hesitation is because I feel like I would need more information to really really make up my mind so the first one don't like it second one need more info well a paid donation system like this would be a lot more complex to set up so it'd be a, a yeah. difficult thing to to enact I guess and and this one doesn't take into account the autonomous vehicle thing. I mean, it's simply right. on its own. This is its own thing. It's addressing a current issue. It is, but it may kind of balance out what we were going to see, you know, potentially, you know, if, if these, uh, these stats hold up. And as, you know, Scott, as you said earlier, we do need to remember that while these vehicles are on the horizon, while there's potential to be there, we're looking at a, a pretty long time horizon here. Oh, yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, there's a lot of barriers in the way of, of, um, of something like this really working. And, and I know this, this Slate article, I'm sure they're just throwing out some ideas. Like, here's what we could do. Um, but I, I gotta say, I just don't agree with, you know, amending laws that are in place that, again, make you a possible, um, uh, I don't want to say target. I keep wanting to say target, but I guess that's kind of the way it would be, right? Yeah. Um, there could be some nefarious things happening if you were to, Put a dollar amount, attach a dollar amount to all these organs, mm-hmm. and then somebody who is in that game could uh, could potentially see you as a mark that you know they see the dollar signs in the eyes when um, when you walk by. You know, like there's there goes two two usable kidney, or at least one usable kidney that I could have. Oh, there. you want to tell scary stories? I, what about going to Vegas where you can put up a kidney as collateral? Oh my god, yeah. which would totally happen. You know what? You know, it's funny. You think you would take it to that to that level, but I think it might go to that. It might get to that. If that, yeah, if that occurred, it's yeah. like a high roller thing. It, it, who knows? Maybe it's happening now. Maybe there's somebody right now in Vegas who's like three kidneys deep <laughs> and going double or nothing on the liver. <laughs> oh, that got yeah. dark. But the, um, but three the, kidneys, three kidneys deep. But the, uh, <laughs> uh, but the idea that we should also mention is that as societies, grow closer and closer to a real practical rollout of autonomous vehicles, right, and reducing deaths due to driver error, other – it doesn't exist in vacuum, this kind of uh, evolution. Other forms of technology will advance as well, including the possibility of 3D printing. Mm-hmm. At some point, it's going to be possible to print some sorts of organs. Yeah, sure. And I don't – think that's going to happen before autonomous vehicles are more widespread but well, we, we have to remember that you know we're we're a pretty we're a pretty smart bunch of uh well, well I mean, we do our best well look back at like the okay the was it the Jarvik 7 heart uh-huh. You take a look at a photo of one of those things, and it's it's a great big plastic, and I think there's metal in there, but there's a, it's a big pump really. Of course, yeah, it's a yeah, heart. Yeah. But um, it's very 
clunky in the way that it looks. I mean, I could totally see something like that being 3D printed, but what we're talking about are other organs that are soft tissue that, that have a, f- a function. You know, they create bile, they create, uh, they filter things. Right. Um, so they have to be able to regenerate themselves. They have, you know, there's all these, um, there's all these other factors. It's not just a mechanical heart, you know, because a mechan- uh, heart is easy enough to see that, you know, it can be a pump that just functions, that just operates. I could almost see a lung operating the same way with some external device that makes it that makes it move or function yeah yeah i it, maybe i'm ben i'm no doctor <laughs> clearly what? i'm clearly not a doctor but but what i'm saying is there are certain things in the human body that you can you can understand could be more mechanical than other things so uh, printing biological material like 3d printing yeah. uh, a liver or something yeah. like that i see that as being a, a long way off i really do i i just i don't know how it would function in the same way that you know a mechanical heart is so Easy to understand. It's easy to understand how a pump would work, or how it could work. Um, I don't know. I, I just I'm, I'm not a full I'm not a full believer in the fact that they're going to be able to 3D print that type of thing. But then again, I'll probably eat my words in four years from now. Sure, do may, it uh, happens so fast. How great would that be, though? Yeah, I want it to. About. I want it to happen because that would eliminate. You know, the what was it 123,000? I said that's on the waiting insane. list. Yeah. No more waiting list. You just get it. And another thing that's accelerating is people will probably live longer too. Yeah. And wear out some parts once their warranties kind of expire. Yeah, I mean, isn't it strange though that this this all spawns from our our discussion at the very beginning of autonomous vehicles and how safe they are really. Right. What an a strange unintended consequence that it's going to create an organ shortage. And who knows what other unintended consequences may arise from a world without drivers so we hope you enjoyed this episode folks uh let us know what you think this is a very interesting one uh we've got a lot of questions have you ever driven for uber or lyft i think that's how we got there today right (laughs) i I mean thematically and not physically um have you yourself received an organ transplant or have you donated an organ someone in your family yeah are you on a wait list because that's got to be a nervous that's very serious yeah yeah and can't imagine. If so, or regardless of your personal experience, we'd like to know what you think about this topic. Um, it seems set to affect, over time, a, a significant amount of people. And we have to remember that other parts of the world may well have autonomous networks, regional autonomous networks, before the U.S. Mm-hmm. So will they be a precursor, or will it be... Apples and oranges. You yeah, know? and will we be able to see the same type of thing happen here? I mean, is it going to be something that we can learn from? Mm-hmm. But really, more than learning from anything, I mean, more than we can kind of see this coming. You can forecast um, if it doesn't happen to this extent that we're talking about, then, then there will be some form of shortage from this. There will be so mm-hmm. because of the whole driver error thing and the ninety-four percent number, and again. The astounding thirty-five thousand a year that are that are lost on our highways. So there's going to be. Um, a, a result, a consequence from this. And I, I, I'm going to use the word consequence. We said earlier on we weren't, but I, I think I might have even used it a couple times. But um, we do see something that's happening. So what are we going to do to be able to regenerate organs or, or how are we, how we going to do this in the future? How yeah. is it going to happen? How are we going to pull this one off? I'm really interested. I'd, I'd love to know what people think you know, like kind of morally and ethically about this too because that's what we struggle with here. So, um, or we are struggling with that today. Mm-hmm. It's a strange topic, anyways. I know I understand that, and it kind of got a little bit off track, but it's all based on this autonomous vehicle thing. I mean, it's it's, it's coming. 
and that book again is the the red market. Scott, I have a copy. I'll bring one in for you. Thank you. Uh, so let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Twitter. We are Car Stuff HSW on both of those. And if you would like to take a page from your fellow listeners and write in with uh, something that has nothing to do with this weird ethical uh, supply and demand problem that we're speculating about today, uh, if you have a topic that you think your fellow listeners should know about. Uh, write to us directly. We're all ears, and you can find us at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.